Hello, and welcome again to another episode of Five Plain Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to Indigenous artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bearers, people in the community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of the Indigenous Art Programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our Indigenous communities from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Ta'e Zarunza'er Ty LeClaire. Ty is a Native American actor, comedian, writer, and director. His short film, Headdress, that he wrote, directed, and starred in, premiered at the 2023 Sundance Film Festival. He was a story editor and actor on the NBC comedy series, Rutherford Falls, by Mike Shear, Ed Helms, and Sierra Teller Ornelius. Ty has been selected as a member of the 2022 Sundance Native Lab and was recently awarded the Indigenous List in the partnership with The Blacklist. He is a former house performer at the Elbright Citizens Brigade Theater. He has also performed at festivals around the country. So, editors note before we jump into this, this conversation uh, was recorded earlier this spring before the, the WGA and the SAG unions strike in Hollywood. I just want to make it clear that this is a conversation about Ty's life and his experience and not a promotion of his work right now. As long as the, the strike is going on, these are conversations about uh, the life and experiences of the writers and the actors and everyone that's, that is out there doing the, the, the good work. So with that said, let's jump into this conversation with Ty LeClaire. Ty LeClaire, thank you so much for joining us at Five Plane Questions. How are you doing today? Thank you for having me. I'm good. You know, it's a, it's a sunny Los Angeles day, which is something I'm still not used to saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Would uh, you be able to introduce yourself? Uh, tell us about your backgrounds, where you're from, and, and what it is that you do. Yeah. Uh, my name is Dayezer Unzerde Leclerc. Everyone calls me Ty. I'm a comedian, writer, and actor. My short film, Headdress, just had its premiere at the Sundance Film Festival. I am a former story editor, actor, consultant, cheerleader for Rutherford Falls on Peacock during our two seasons. I am also a former uh, house performer at UCB in New York, the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, and um, lover of all things dumb and stupid. Uh, truly, that's that's where I like to be. Oh, that's great. Um, I, I. I as I was sort of um, sort of looking at your background, uh, I saw that you were a part of uh, the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, and I, I just think that's great. I'm I'm a geek for improv and and all that, so yeah, that's great. Oh, thanks, thanks. Yeah, no, um, it's really nerdy, and I love it so much. It's truly one of those things. It's like a, it's like such a guilty pleasure, and um, I'm actually on this um, this horror comedy show at UCB right now, where we. Um, do improv around really bad horror movies um i'm a sucker for horror and all those things so um still part of me will always always be doing improv in one way or another and uh, ucb when i was there uh, when it was in new york um was just it was the perfect place to really experiment and uh be weird in an encouraging way um yeah, it was a, it was a real it was a real blast. I really miss it. But I also like I also look back at it being like that chapter of that thing is closed. But I'm still going to do the occasional, like I said, horror show improv thing. <laughs> oh no, I think I think that's great. You know, um, 
I think things evolve our our time and places evolve too so it's if there's something new that's that's starting it's it's always great to jump into that and pursue that for sure and uh the friendships i made there and the connections i made there are still people i work with today um who helped like some people help me out with my film are people that i did improv with before who i was like you know, I, I, I trust you, like, as a performer to, like, when we start experimenting and doing these fun, I don't know, weird clips and scenes that, like, I know I can just do them honestly with you. Um, and now we, we all still support each other. You know, we're on group chats and stuff like that and championing each other. Mm-hmm. That, that's excellent. So uh, let's talk about your influences. Um, who are, who have been your biggest influence and who, what, who's influencing or what's influencing you today? Yeah, I think um, earliest influences, it's, it's a mix because like um, my dad was is huge, loves watching comedy movies. And I remember specifically watching a lot of like Cheech and Chong and Leslie Nielsen movies with him. It's very like slapstick. It's very um, practical comedy, visual sight gags, things like that. And then once I started, you know, feigning my own interest in my teen years, I really like latched on to um, sarcastic women specifically. So like I was very much into like Roseanne. Um, Daria was a huge influence on me. Um, there's one more I'm forgetting. Um, oh yeah. And like Margaret Cho's standup was the first time her Asian chicken salad bit was the first time I really think I heard a joke that was like about a, her race but not about her race at the same time it, it was the first time i was like oh you can you can like format these things in a different way um it was really eye-opening and um i love margaret show so much oh yeah oh yeah um I, I feel like that that sarcastic uh biting humor is sort of the the base of a lot of you know like you know i, I grew up on the res you know we have our aunties yep. you know and that yep. seems to be like the source of some of that that anti uh humor that's there for real no my um my family too same way on my res and my mom's res too um i'm from uh the mohawk reservation of gahawage but my mom's mikla from the con river mikla reservation in newfoundland canada and um yeah she's one of 14 kids and uh you know i'm I'm really close with the aunties there and uh naturally being sort of like the the queer child of the family i was very much uh spending more time with my aunties the most (laughs) (laughs) let's let's talk about your career you know you're in school you're inspired to to once you leave high school um what sort of drew you off from there yeah i love that question because i've always wanted to be an actor or do something in movies and my parents were like that's really great it's probably not going to happen. Like, I, I, like at the at the beginning, like, why don't, it, they were very much like, we, we support you, we encourage you, but like, maybe before you go into that, try some other things. And I was very much like, yeah, sure, okay, I'll try some other things. So I actually studied photography in college, right outside of, um, outside of high school. So in Canada, went to Dawson College, studied photography for three years, got a degree in that. You know, fed, still head over heels for visuals. And in that program started to fall in love with graphic design. So I um, actually went to a uh, university college at uh, Parsons, a new school for design in New York, um, where I got a degree in communication design. 
uh, a BFA, um, just all things design. I was very like nerdy about and still am to this day. Um, and it was at that time that I started making friends who were um, improv performers. And, you know, I did a lot of like stage stuff, homemade movie stuff as a kid. Um, but to come back to it as an adult at like 20, 21, I was like, oh, like there's still space to do this. This like rules. Um, fell head over heels for just like the indie improv sketch uh, stand up comedy world in New York City where I was living at the time. Uh, I lived there for 12 years. And I. So once I finished going to school, I got a full-time job at a fashion brand doing their graphic design. And so I was doing my full-time job, you know, the nine to five. And then my five to nine was like running around Manhattan and Brooklyn, going to like random sketch shows, um, auditioning to be on like some sort of improv team, uh, dipping my toes in the stand-up and really um, sort of integrating myself into that world. Um and from there, just built networks and friends and uh, eventually getting on like an, an indie sketch team. And that's where I really found my like voice as a performer. And um, and then eventually, after auditioning thousands of times, <laughs> getting into Upright Citizens Brigade and being on the Characters Welcome team for a season, um, which was uh, the most... Uh, at the time, the most uh, difficult thing I've done so far because it was um, when you're the character's welcome team, you're doing solo character monologues and you have to do a new one each month. And like you can laugh and josh with everyone in the on the team when you're making it, but sometimes you get out there and you do your first like 10 seconds and you're like, oh no, this isn't going to land. And you're like, well, I'm stuck doing this for another five minutes. Uh, <laughs> so you have to do the whole piece. Um, God, I remember my worst piece that happened, but I still love, I just didn't crack it right, was one of my characters, I was the silent letter G. And like, um, it's like this like abstract sort of like, you know, like this, the G in the word lasagna. Like it was, I was like, but I never cracked the character in a way of like, oh, he's sneaky. Like he should be like, I don't know, some piss poor assassin or something. I don't know. Like I never went down far enough. I was just like, haha, silent letter G. And everyone's like, yeah, okay, cool. Um <laughs> So that was, um, but at the same time, I also wrote a character called Native American Shaman, um, which is basically, it's a Native Shaman that goes to a house to discover that all the ghosts are actually white and, uh, <laughs> and has to explain to the owners that like, no, 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 these ghosts are white. Like the, the blood says live, laugh, love on the walls. Like this is not us. Um, and that character, it, it kind of blew up and it like has a bunch of views on YouTube now. Uh, and it was actually the one, the character I was performing where my showrunner, Sierra Teller-Nellis, saw me perform live back in 2018 or 19. Um, and after that show, she DM'd me on Twitter being like, hey, I'm making this show called Rutherford Falls with Ed Helms, looking for like native talent. Do you have any samples? Just email me, um, of which I did. Um, I was waiting for that kind of text or email for a very long time. So, um, yeah, I had a bag of samples ready and I feel like I've been rambling for like four minutes now. So, um, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that brings me up to the beginning of Rutherford Falls, but I figured we could back and forth now if you want. No. Yeah. Uh, this is, this is your space. Um, so, you know, thinking back to your, um, 
your five to nine uh, when you were doing that. Yeah. Uh, what was what was some of your takeaway from that experience? The spaces are very cis straight and white. Um, very. Um, it's it's very. You have to find the spaces with the other people who are also like you a little bit. Um, only because. Um, so many of these spaces are filled with just like angry straight white men. And um, so I, the thing I took away was like really just finding your community and finding your joy in it. And, um, and of course I I did. And I started going to mostly just like queer centered mics, open mics or like uh, sort of weird diverse showcases and stuff like that. Um, Because in these other spaces, I'd be like telling jokes, but I think they'd only like the jokes that were like, um, I guess where they weren't the villain or like, um, you know, everyone has this like painted idea of like what a native person is, especially like in comedy, um, at least at the time. So yeah, I, I think my advice is always in those five to nine choices, just like kind of find your people and, and really, um, understand that there's gonna be people there that kind of like aren't great and um but still have a good time because like at the end of the day you should be doing this for yourself and um and yeah just be stupid to be stupid Hmm. so the the move from from new york to la that was around 2018 time frame uh, it was actually t- the beginning of 2020. Um, so oh. but if I'm doing the math correctly, it was, I was probably doing the, that live show around 2019, like October, um, got the message around then. And, you know, I, for the record, did fully normal interviews as well after that. It wasn't like, here's the job. You know, it's like, you still have three rounds of interviews with like executives and people like that. And they still have to like your work. Uh, you still have to be good at the thing. Um but yeah, so we started January 2020. It was my first um, television writing job. It was also um, my first official like um, move from my previous corporate career in graphic design art direction to fully being in comedy and television. Um, so it was a huge, it was something I, was, I, I feel like I was trying to get to for a very long time. And it was also the first time I had a majority of coworkers who were native, which was just like, such a good time because the last time I had that many native coworkers was when I was doing like native gigs back home, you know, near the res or slightly off the res with other folks. But this is the first time I was like, I'm in Los Angeles. I'm like 3000 miles away from home. And I'm like bickering with these other Indians about like <laughs> about native shit that we only, we could bicker about. Yep. Um, and it was great. It was, it was such a delight. And we, we, you know, Nat, this is January fourth 2020 so i think you know where this is going we had 10 glorious weeks together and then it's like hey this there's people are getting sick from this thing like uh let's take two weeks off we'll come back in two weeks um and we said yeah sure okay cool see you in two weeks and um we did not see each other in two weeks (laughs) we uh the world shut down because of COVID and we moved to a zoom room. So I wound up flying back to Brooklyn where my uh, then fiance and um, my cat in my apartment were. So I left my sublet in LA and just was like, let's bunker down in Brooklyn. And that's what we did. So we, we finished out our initial season plan um, for the next 10 weeks. So we're done sometime in the summer. Then it was like, 
let's put a pin on it. Let's see what everyone's doing. Who's going to be the first show to start filming again, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, we all felt like, oh, naturally, like the first native television show happens and there's a global pandemic that like stops it. Like, it's like, of course, this is like when it happens. Yeah. Um, But, you know, we were all safe. And I think we were one of the overly safe shows too to really like call it early to you know do all the precautions and yeah then once it was decided to go filming we did another um 10 weeks in the fall just to uh just to co we called it covidizing all the scripts so what would be a normal television show length is like 32 pages but because covid protocols and just distancing stuff like that it, it made the filming process longer. So we had to turn down our scripts down to 26 pages because what would normally take five days to shoot was taking eight. Um, so it's like, we got to make these things shorter while retaining the story, while retaining the jokes and also doing passes through where it's like, okay, we obviously don't want to do any scenes with the elders because we're not going to endanger any elders. Like period. That was like a thing we all decided very early. It's like, we're not, we're not harming any elders on this show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like you know changing things like okay maybe this isn't a concert like maybe this is a, an outdoor picnic like it's like it's sort of like sort of brainstorming those sort of things of like how we can change things to um, retain the story without um, putting people in danger essentially at the time um, and yeah we did it and that it was my first uh, credited acting role as well I had a small part in episode 8 um, I wrote episode nine with Matt Murray, who's the, the most incredible, talented writer. I love him to death. Um, and that was season one. And it was like a bit of a blur because, you know, you made it during COVID. Um, so after that, it was kind of all up in the air for a little while. And, uh, you know, I was back in New York. So I was like, oh, do I just stay here? Do, we, do I like find another job out here? Because it might just be the easier thing to do. Um and I said, no, let's go to hell. Let's go to LA. Like, uh, we looked, we both lived in New York for 12 years and it was time to just like, it was just time to do something else, you know? So yeah, it came out here. What was that experience writing for a TV show versus the expectations of what that would be? Cause I imagine for a long time, you imagined what it would be like to, to do that, to have it work. Well, I think for me, it, um, it really was like I, I was saying earlier, I was very terrified just, I'm just screwing up just because it was a Mike Schur, Ed Helms vessel ship with Sierra. And like, just knowing who Mike Schur was and like, you know, Parks and Rec, The Good Place, uh, he's on The Office, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It's like all these big time NBC comedy hits and he clearly knows what he's doing. So the entire time I was just very like, just don't screw this up. Just like, don't, don't screw this up don't be awkward don't be too like I was really in my head for the first couple weeks and uh, the reality of it was it's um I'm really grateful for my time doing improv before because television writing is very much it's a group thing it's not um it's not a singular event uh and learning the television writing process while doing this at the same time it was it was uh uh, eye-opening because I've always felt that it <clears throat> it was always going to be better if you're just writing together. And that really was the case. So I was ecstatic. And like, the only time you're ever alone is like, when you're, once your story sort of beat it out and the outline's done, then you go away to script for like two, three days. But that's the only time you're really like alone writing something. But everything else is like 
group stuff, people pitching jokes. Uh, it's it's much more casual than I thought it would be. And you really can't be precious about your ideas. You can't be like, you know, well, I made that joke. Like, that's mine. Like, put that in there. Like, that doesn't exist. Um, and if that does, I think you're not going to last long. Mm. Um, Cause it's, it's a, it's a group project and I kind of always really liked group projects. So uh, I think it worked in my favor a little bit. Janice meaning she was a guest on the show last year and mm-hmm. I, I shared this with her then. And I think it's more appropriate to share it with you is I, so I'm, I'm a curator at an art museum. Um, I run programs there, uh, workshops, uh, summer art programs and stuff. And the, the storylines and some of those points were so accurate, uh, <laughs> being, you know, being the native staff person, you know, in a non-native museum and then trying to balance that with native community and non-native community. Um, it was, it was delightfully uncomfortable watching some of those play out. So <laughs> thank you for, for doing that. Uh, it really spoke to me. Oh God, it was, uh, truly the best. And I really loved the Sierra, obviously for championing, um, these native stories and, and just being on it to make sure like every little bit of it was correct. Um, you know, we took place in the Northeast near where I, my tribe is from. And, you know, we had Mohawk as the language that was being spoken. So um, it was just great to be on set and be like, is that a, is that a strawberry basket over there? And just being like, Oh damn. I'm like, who, I'm like, I know who made this. And like, you know, um, the fact that they really invested in, uh, having actual native art, having actual native um, clothing and outfits. And uh, what was always great before the season two was just like the beadwork haul that happened. And cause we, the show would commission all these people to make these uh, just beadwork jewelry for Janet to wear, for Dallas to wear. Um, and Dallas at one point was wearing this Jack Skellington medallion. And I was like, that's going to go missing by the end of the day. Uh, I'm really sorry, everyone. Like this is, there's this like, this has to come home with me. Um, It did not come home with me. It was, it was uh, rightfully not stolen by me, but um, I will always think about the Jack Skellington beaded medallion being the greatest thing ever. And it was also, it was also the Halloween episode, which I was pitching since like literally my interview meeting in 2019 I was like, please do a Halloween episode. Um, Cause there's something just so uh, native to me about being obsessed with Halloween. Uh, oh, yeah. My res takes Halloween very seriously and um, you know, leaning into that trickster side. Um, it was a blast just to like the fact that I was sitting there on set being like, we're making this really weird Halloween episode and I love it. And Jenna did her own stunt. Jenna was uh <laughs> kicked and thrown and all these other things in an episode um she nailed it it was great she's a legend absolutely let's let's talk about opportunities um how have they presented themselves to you how have you sought them out uh over the last several years yeah this is um opportunities are weird because it's like um i feel like i'm still driving blind like sometimes I, I, I really feel like um, I'm someone who loves structure, who loves like I was very much a grade A student. I love school. I love uh, organization, all those things. And for opportunities, it's um, 
it, it it's much more of like a networking thing than I uh, anticipated it being, um, which I should have anticipated it being. But uh, in terms of professional opportunities, I've realized more and more the further I get, it's just a matter of me putting stuff into the world and seeing what comes back. I that's how my I got my job in Rutherford. I was performing that live show thing, putting this weird ding dong character out. And someone responded and I got a job from it. And then like, um, I was in the Sundance Native Lab last year and I, well, technically I'm still in the lab until May. Um, but I submitted a script that I wrote that was really a script I wrote in like a place of like real anger and in a place of real like frustration. Um, cause, uh, I, I do audition and I'm an actor and I just kept losing like role after role after role after role. Uh, and after a while I was sort of really just tired of this. So I sort of channeled all this anger into a story called how to deal with systemic racism in the afterlife. And it's about a ghost dealing with red face. And it's like, uh, but it was a satirized tale on all my, um, these like leather and feather auditions I was doing. Um, and how just I wasn't into them. And I was like, I just want to be able to audition for like Bob, the guy who works at the register. Like, I was just like, I just want to be uh, the CEO of uh, M&M's. Like, truly, like, I, I don't want to like, I feel like everything I was getting audition wise was like, you know, you know exactly what it is. It's like, like some... Planes natives, sorry, no disrespect, uh, <laughs> but um, some stereotyped Hollywood version of um, what a native quote unquote opportunity was. So, um, channel that rage into a script, and that script wound up getting me the native lab at Sundance. Um, I think applications for this year's one closed, but everyone listening, I do highly encourage to look into the Sundance native lab um, and look into other native labs from other film festivals because. Um, truly <clears throat> uh, truly a very incredible experience as like a as a filmmaker as a writer as a director um just to find community in that way so yeah opportunity to me is just um doing what you want to do putting it out there and seeing if anything comes back so since you've uh, mentioned the sundance um film festival or the the lab uh you submitted something to the the film festival this year I did. I did. Um, so as part of the lab, you work on this script, this thing that you submitted with all these people. Um, you have mentors, you have native mentors, you have industry mentors. And um, the entire time we were going over the program when we were in Santa Fe for a week, um, I would talk about my script and all that. And the entire time I'd be like, well, I also have this other thing. And and, and, I'd, and I'd essentially be soft pitching this idea I had for um, Headdress, which is... Uh, uh, the short film that became out of these conversations um, and shot it in August of last year, went to edit and yeah, submitted to Sundance thinking it's not going to happen, but I'm happy to uh, get to know the process a little bit more. And I, I sort of went in with that headspace. So when I got the call from Sundance, I was like, Oh, they're calling me to tell me I didn't get in. Like, that's like really nice. Like, I was like, oh, they're so, like, how they take care of their artists like that. But no, they called me to tell me that uh, Hedris got in. And I was like, I was, I was confused at first. Cause I was like, are you sure? 
like um did you see the same thing that i made like um because the film festivals you know tend to lean uh, a little more on the drama side a little more on the trauma side um and what i made was a story about me talking to five versions of myself in my head um to try and come up with this perfect clapback to this racist woman wearing a headdress at a music festival um but uh, yeah and it got in and it got in and i was uh so overwhelmed and those like four or five weeks where you have to keep it a secret i'm honestly happy i had to keep it a secret before they announced it because i needed to process those emotions by myself first i'm very much a person that like if things get overwhelming if uh if i need to process a bunch of stuff you're not gonna find me i'm gonna be i'm usually off away somewhere in a closed door and a closed door just to like process things um so yeah, headdress got into Sundance, and um, I've applied episodic things to like film festivals before, but this is my first time doing a short film, uh, and to have my first short film get into Sundance and to have Sundance be my first film festival um, is out of control. Is is uh, I I have nothing but gratitude for the Sundance Institute um, for really championing Native voices and for really like really putting their money where their mouth is, you know? Um, I wouldn't have been able to make this film if I didn't get the grant through the Native Lab. So, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, it's a huge thing and congratulations. Um, I, I haven't seen it. I've seen uh, clips and portions of it. Uh, I haven't been able to see the whole thing though, but I'm excited to when I'm able to. Let me, I keep forgetting to send you that press link. And um, I'm going to do it right now while we're on the thing so you okay. can watch it. Nice, um, nice. But the concept, it's so relatable, you know. Um, I think so many of us that are out there, you know, we encounter similar things and then you struggle with how to respond, you know, and, oh, I should have mm -hmm. said this or I should have said that or or I shouldn't have said this or I shouldn't have said that, you know. Mm -hmm. I think that's sort of, um, it, it's really what I wanted to highlight with the film because I think when these, these things happen and, um, you're the only person in the room or the only native there, you're sort of always expected to have the answer. And I'm, I don't have the answer. I'm not a confrontational person. So when something like this happens, I'm like, what do you want me to do? Like, what difference is it going to make? So it's like, I really wanted to highlight this, um, this internal debate that I have and that, you know, I'm not the brand ambassador. I'm not uh, uh, the role model citizen of all these things. Like I'm, my decisions and my thoughts are nuanced and they're all constantly pulling from various, uh, I, versions of myself. And that's sort of what I highlight in the film. So my character, after they see someone with the headdress on retreats to their mind and inside is, um, six versions of themselves. And the versions of myself that I included were, um, professional me, which is sort of like me now. Um, so they're sort of in charge, but there's also like bougie me, the one who's just like, 
very selfish, very vain, very all those things. Because I have to be honest, there's a part of me that is very selfish, very vain. And so I, that was one of the characters. And the character was traditional Thai, which is sort of um, all things traditional, uh, which um, I'm sort of like a bad when it comes to being as traditional as I should be. So that character is sort of um, really laying on the guilt, I guess. Um, and then I have uh, goth me, which is the oldest version of myself, which is basically a, a summarized version of my teenage years, which just have such a huge influence to me with me to this day. Um, and then there's sort of like an abstract version of future me, and um, which you'll get when you see the film. And of course, there's also queer me too, which is sort of my like identity that's still trying to understand itself a little bit and is kind of okay with being like I might not fully ever understand all of this so yeah and I'm having a debate because when something like, like I said when something like this happens I tend to be like okay what should I say like and how is what I'm going to say going to be perceived the right way so it's like falling into those um I don't say traps but like falling into those mind dilemmas where I just kind of um, freak out <laughs> and, and really freeze up. And like, that's what I want to showcase sort of in the film. Well, it's, it sounds like it comes from a place of authenticity, right? Being true to not, not just yourself, you know, but uh, being honest. And I, I think that's something that uh, a lot of us, many of us can relate to. Yeah. And it infuriates me how, being honest is always the things that just work out the best. Cause I'm always in as a performer, as a performer person, I'm like, I'm like, what do they want to laugh at? And that's like, not the question I should be asking. The question is like, what makes me laugh? And to lean into that, because every time I do that, something successful tends to happen with it. Be it with my native American shaman character, being with headdress, um, being with just like sort of other pre-career instincts. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 constantly learning and relearning how to just listen to myself. Um, but we're still learning it. Yeah. <laughs> what What would you say to the the, the eighteen to twenty two year old that's listening to this conversation? Um, publish your work. Put it into the world. Um, put the things that you want to say out there just just put it out there because <laughs> uh i know too many people who are really talented who are really good who you know like you know i'm just gonna work on another draft i'm just gonna you know i want to do this a little bit better before i put it online and it's like um something sitting in your draft folders is not doing anything and i don't think you're gonna be able to find the next thing until you put that other thing into the universe see how it is in the universe and then come back to it um, so whatever you're doing, whatever field of creative work, non-creative work you're in, just, um, just go put it out there. It's, it's always my like go-to note. So what do you have going on right now? What's, what's next for you? Yeah, I'm working on my first feature film, so I'm pretty excited about it. I can't say anything about this yet. <laughs> Um, but it is a comedy and it is, um, God, what can I say? 
it's inspired by one of my UCB characters. So I'm leaning into I'm leaning into the weird, I'm leaning into the fun, and I'm really leaning into the like this is just what makes me laugh. And um yeah, I, I'm in that place right now where I'm like, the script needs to look like this. This is where the joke needs to be. But the back of my head's also like, just write this scene that makes you laugh. And like, so I'm I'm and I'm trying to practice what I preach. And um you know, I'm hoping to shoot it this summer. I'm hoping to edit it this fall, and I'm hoping to submit it to festivals next year. So, um, hopefully, you know, put into the universe that I'll be back at some film festival next year um, with a feature film. It's wild. That's great. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And where where can our listener find your work? Be able to connect with what you're doing. Yeah, I'm on Twitter and Instagram uh, at Ty, T-A-I underscore LeClaire, L-E-C-L-A-I-R-E, uh, TyLeClaire.com. And uh, if you're in LA, I'm usually doing some weird live comedy thing at some weird live comedy venue. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I post all my shows on my website. I post anything that comes up on my Instagram mostly. Um, but yeah, that's where you can find me. We'll put links in the show notes uh, for the listener to be able to connect to those. Well, Ty, thank you so much for this. This was this was a real pleasure to have you here. Thank you for having me. Um, I, I truly enjoyed talking with you today. And uh, for the listeners, there is a Lego NASA spaceship behind our lovely host right now that I'm very <laughs> envious of. Uh, yeah, I want that so bad. Um, but I was like, let me, my next paid gig, because right now paid gigs are short. <laughs> so, but uh, I had to share that with the, the world. <laughs> it's funny um you know I, the listener doesn't know this uh but all of these are videotaped right um all yeah. these podcasts <laughs> there's actually footage of all of it but they'll they unfortunately will never see this at least in this this version so yeah <laughs> sneak peek into the world oh boy <clears throat> oh boy thank you this <laughs> this is great <laughs> thank you for having me and that does it for this episode of five plain questions i want to thank ty again, for his time and sharing his story with us. It's it's a real testament to one's intuition and trusting in themselves to to really follow your dreams. And I, I know that's, that's kind of a um, corny phrase that gets tossed around quite a bit, but it's really true in this case. More of a testament of trusting in yourself and following your intuition, but also being courageous and putting yourself out there. When he had mentioned about how some of the most creative people he knows never publish things and or put it out there and it holds them back, that, that really speaks to me. I think about the people that I know who are extremely creative that are doing the same thing that just won't put themselves out there. And so they're not living the lives that, that they really want. So, you know, it's I think it's just really important to follow yourself, even if you like weird live comedy uh, and that's your thing, like you got to do it to you. You just because who knows what's waiting for you out there. And, you know, someone someone like Ty, there's such joy in his work and you see it. You see it on stage. You see it on the screen and you see it in the work that he creates. There is joy in there. And even though some of the topics are tough and they're uncomfortable, there is a humor that only really a comedian can bring. And that's why I love having comedians also on the podcast uh, because they're unfiltered. They're 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 following 
they're, again, their instinct to say what they want to say, and it really makes for the best conversations. So I've really enjoyed this conversation. So yeah, you know, right now there's a writer's strike that's happening. And so the productions he's been on, the stuff that he's working on right now, we're not promoting those things in honor of the WGA strike that's going on right now. And so I want to direct you to their website. That's um, wgacontract2023.org backslash strike hub. If you want to support them, you want to see what they're doing and their points are, go check it out. It's, it's worth your time. It's worth their time to support them. Oftentimes, I think in this, this social media world that we live in where everything is, is you know, we're all keyboard warriors. Uh, you know, we want to tweet something or we want to post something, but it's, it's just it's just wordplay. It's just, it's just to make us feel good, but it's not actually doing anything. Go to the website, see how you can support them. These are not just native uh, creators, but just creatives out there that are doing the work that are getting less than the minimum wage in the work that they're getting paid for. And that's not right because this is our, not just our entertainment, these are stories that need to be told and they create real value in the lives and the perspectives of the lives that we live. So check out that website. The link is in the show notes and support them. You know, it's, I think it's really important that, that we pay attention to what they're saying, what they're doing, because again, the vast, vast majority of them are making less than minimum wage in the work that they're doing. So I think it's important. And besides, if, if artists like, uh, like Ty can get that support, maybe at some point, he'll be able to get that Jack Skellington medallion that he so craves. So with that said, I, Ty, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really look forward to our next conversation at, um, there's going to be a film festival here in Fargo. We're going to promote that in the coming weeks. Um, so come to Fargo. Ty and I are going to be on stage together talking about the work that he is creating. Hopefully if the strike is, is um, resolved at that point. So go check that out. All right. Well, I want to thank you for joining us and spending your time listening to what I feel is a very important story and perspective from our community. So please join us next time as we speak with another incredible person. I'm Joe Williams. You can find me on the Facebook page and the Instagram page at Five Plain Questions Podcast or at the plainsart.org website. There you can see our programming, our past videos, and these podcasts. If you have a suggestion for someone for me to interview, please look me up on Facebook and message me. I'd really like to hear from you. At this point in the year, I'm actually sewing up uh, the last of the interviews for the year, but um, if there's someone that you really want me to talk to, reach out to me. It'd be great to hear from you. All right, well, you take care, and we will see you next time. This has been an 11 Warrior Arts production.